Welcome to the 2019 Locked On NBA Mock Draft. It is our third year of doing this fantastic five-day production. I'm David Locke, the host of today's show. Brandon Clean is with us as our draft analyst. We've got the local experts of the Locked On Podcast Network in each of their draft rooms right now on the phones making calls, seeing if they can make trades, what deals they're going to make, and what players they're going to draft. And we'll go into each and every one of the local draft rooms to get their analysis, where their franchise sits, and what picks they're going to make. Sports Illustrated's draft expert Jeremy Wu will break down each and every player that drafted giving his take on what the how the GMs did what the pick was and what he thinks of the players and there are trade rumors floating about if we need to we'll go to our super experts Sam Amick and Ben Golliver if deals get done so New Orleans is on the clock with the first pick before we go to New Orleans I bring in Brandon Clean our NBA draft analyst from Locked on Suns as well as the fan-sided step back draft expert and Brandon it's an interesting draft because while we're all waiting to see what happens early, expecting Zion to go to New Orleans here with the first pick, the real story is what New Orleans is going to do with Anthony Davis. Yeah, the stage was set on lottery night when they not only opened for business with that Anthony Davis deal, but won the lottery themselves, setting themselves up for the future and really complicating kind of where they want to go with this Davis deal, opened up some new avenues for them uh, with New York and LA being in that top five right with them. So uh, things will get off in a hurry, I think, as we kind of go through it. After number two, I think we're going to see a lot of intrigue, not only with the players picked, but as you said, uh, where each of these teams wants to go, potentially trading for that next superstar. On today's Locked On NBA mock draft, we'll go through picks one through six. New Orleans, Memphis. Do the Knicks make the deal for Anthony Davis with a three spot? Do the Lakers make it at four? Cleveland at five in the rebuild, and then Phoenix sits at six. Tomorrow's program, Fridays will be seven through 12, then 13 through 18, which includes the Boston number 14 pick sitting in there. 19 to 24 will be the Tuesday show, and 25th pick to the 30th pick will be, uh, excuse me, will be the Monday show, and then Tuesday on 25th to the 30th with a real draft coming your direction on Thursday. So we'll have you all the way set up. Brandon, from a draft standpoint and the talent that's out there, as we look at these first six picks, what are the storylines today in our mock draft? Well, I think we can be pretty honest and say that it looks like the players being picked one through three are pretty pretty set aside at this point. We have Zion, as you mentioned at the top, going presumptively first meeting with New Orleans here soon. And John Morant seems destined to head to Memphis. Um, there's been some some back and forth between uh, New York and Memphis as far as R.J. Barrett and John Morant go, but it, it feels like those are the three guys. After that, I think, is right where we get to the craziness. Um, it, it seems pretty easy to say at this point that guessing what's going to go on in Los Angeles is – a fool's errand, right? And after that, you know, you, you start to make your way into the real teams that need to bet big and get that next young core piece in Cleveland, Phoenix, Chicago, and on down. So uh, there's a lot of, of different priorities happening right away here between rebuilds, trades, and uh, veteran teams that kind of snuck their way into the top. And you have to wonder whether Kevin Durant's Achilles injury that happened in Game 5 of the NBA Finals has an impact here. Because I think both the Knicks and the Lakers and then the Clippers later, if they end up getting into the draft, both all had a feeling that they had a chance for Kevin Durant possibly in free agency. He's not playing next year now with an Achilles injury. So 
how much does that impact where any of these franchises are? It's just incredible how much this draft is being impacted by the trade market of Anthony Davis as well as the impact of the upcoming free agency on a draft that, frankly, may be a little lacking of its own personal talent. But let's get it going right away. Let's head to Jake Madison in New Orleans in the draft room. The number one pick is on the board right now or on the clock right now with the New Orleans Pelicans. And here's Lockdown Pelicans host Jake Madison. Hey everyone, Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast here, ready to give you the number one overall selection in the Locked On NBA 2019 mock draft. I was going to try and keep everyone in suspense about what the Pelicans are going to do, but come on, you know, they are taking Zion Williamson number one overall, the forward out of Duke. The 6'7", 285-pound wrecking ball out of Duke averaged 22.6 points per game, 8.9 rebounds, 2.1 assists, and shot a gaudy 70.8% E field goal percentage. This dude basically just does it all, and there's no better way to revitalize this Pelicans franchise than the most hyped prospect coming into the draft since LeBron James. He's basically capable of doing it all. You know, this is a guy who easily gets in out in transition and can beat guys with very strong handles for a big, whether that's by going around you, going straight through you, or even just, you know what, going right over you for a monstrous dunk. His passing's very good in transition as well, making the right decision. And he is a just tremendous finisher down low and in traffic. There's a reason he shot an E-field goal percentage of 70.8%. Part of it is his low center gravity and keeping the ball really low as he elevates up for explosive dunks. Duke did not surround him with a lot of three-point shooters and if you look at him weave in and out of traffic down low he has absolutely no space whatsoever they had guys who shot well under uh, 35% from the field around him and he started next to a traditional center so getting into the NBA he might struggle to score a little bit more so than he did at Duke but this is a guy who finishes through contact and is able to get to the line as well He has a tremendous ability to drive to the rim in the half court off of handoffs or pick and rolls, and we know what he can do in the pick and roll where you can just chuck the ball up as high as it'll go. He can get up there and then flush it down for an easy bucket. He also can run the pick and roll himself and be that primary ball handler for a little bit of your offense. You can use him in a variety of ways, and it just makes him all the more versatile. Defensively, he's an absolute monster capable of guarding one through five, and he just has everything you want. Strength, athleticism, agility, speed. He can switch very easily on the defensive side of the ball. We all know the blocks that he's able to do, timing his jumps absolutely perfectly, averaging 1.8 per game. But maybe most impressively is his ability to get in the passing lanes, grab the ball for a steal, and then get out in transition and run. He averaged 2.1 steals per game at Duke and shows tremendous instincts to be able to hunt for the ball or know when to kind of try and make a play. He's an outstanding rebounder despite the lack of size, getting you both offense and defensive boards. And when he does get that defensive board, again, we know what he can do in transition and he can start an immediate fast break, taking the ball coast to coast. 
the biggest concern about Zion getting into the NBA is likely going to be his shot. This is a guy who thrived in transition close to the basket and just getting those easy put back offensive rebounds. But his shooting could use some work. The mechanics aren't too great, but he did shoot 33.8% from three in college. He's redone his jump shot once, meaning he can likely redo it again if need be or continue to improve. And shooting is one of those things for players that often tends to get better the longer they are in the NBA. Being able to move a little bit more off the ball and being a reliable catch and shoot player will go a long way towards making him an all-star sooner rather than later. And I haven't even mentioned my favorite part about this guy, and that's just the hustle and work ethic and drive and competitive spirit. This is a guy that you can build your culture around who's going to fit right into any locker room and try and make other players better. It's an obvious choice for him to be the number one overall pick for the Pelicans in the soon-to-be post-Anthony Davis era. So while the Pelicans have the brand new centerpiece to build their franchise around, we are going to be shipping out the old one. Anthony Davis is on the block after requesting a trade from this team. The rest of this draft is about figuring out the best offer for him and where we go from here. Now that that Zion Williamson is on the team and you're going through a small rebuild, it's less about fit and it's just about getting the best players available, bringing in the most talent and setting yourself up for some long-term success around Zion Williamson, something the Pelicans did not do around Anthony Davis. So throughout the rest of this mock draft, I'm going to be making calls to all teams in our NBA mock draft here, trying to see what deals we can get done. And I'm sure you're going to be hearing from me again soon in the first round. So Brandon, no surprise there. Zion Williamson going with that pick. Do you have any doubts on Zion Williamson? I think it would be pretty silly to say that I do. I think he's going to be a fantastic new cornerstone for that franchise and going to be one of the most fun guys in the league right away. Let's go to Jeremy Wu, SI.com's Jeremy Wu, with the breakdown of what he his take on Zion Williamson. Yeah, Zion, I mean, I don't know how much there is left to say about him. I mean, you know, we all watched him, uh, you know, one of the most dominant college seasons we've ever seen, uh, particularly from a freshman uh, to do what he did uh, at Duke. Uh, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of optimism, you know, you can keep him healthy, which I think New Orleans will be able to do, you know, with that training staff, uh, you know, they'll do their best. And he, uh, you know, he brings so much to the table as an athlete, uh, particularly, but the thing about Zion is he impacts the game in so many different ways, but, you know, de- defensively he covers so much ground. Uh, you know, he'll finish plays. He'll, you know, make energy plays. He's a great rebounder. He'll get you into transition. Uh, he's just sort of an engine for, you know, up-tempo basketball. And I think he's coming around at the perfect time. Uh, 10 years ago, maybe we don't know what position he plays or how, how you use him, but now the philosophy is, hey, let's take him. Let's build around him uh, and sort of facilitate to his strengths. So I think, I think his shooting will get better. Uh, I don't know if he's ever a knockdown shooter, but I think it's enough that you can keep you honest. Um, you know, I think he'll have to keep improving his skill level for sure. Uh, but as long as you know he keeps working, I think the sky's the limit, and I think there's no reason to think he won't. Uh, so I definitely had someone I think you can draft with confidence at one. Uh, and you know, and if you take him and you know maybe he ends up not being the next whatever, uh, you know, I think there's still you can still feel good about finding out. So. Uh, to, in my in my eyes, clearly the pick. Uh, I think most people would agree. Uh, no shocker there. Is there anything that concerns you about him? Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is just you know, in the case where he does deal with an injury, uh, I think he just needs to 
you know, continue working on his skill set to make sure that, you know, when he does come back, if he has to do that, uh, that, you know, the skill can help compensate for what he, anything he might lose athletically. Cause you know, everyone wears down and right now he's 18 and you know, he, everyone loves how hard he plays, but it's also, you know, how, how long can you play that hard without wearing down? Uh, particularly, you know, when it's 82 game seasons and potentially playoffs. Right. So I think they'll be conscious of his workload. Uh, and, you know, this is sort of a, you know, very what if type argument. Right. But I think it is something that you have to keep in mind uh, as far as concerns. But uh, again, as long as he continues to you know polish up the ball skills, uh, I think, you know, he's a smart enough player, particularly that it'll help split the difference. Memphis now on the clock. Will they move Mike Conley? What are they? Where do they look to make plays here? If you're adding a, a, a all expectations is that they're going to add uh, a, a point guard here, Brandon. If they do, do you think they have to move Conley today? Do they do that in free agency, or do they have Conley tutor? I think that they're in a good position, right? They can do that. They can keep him and and have that guy ahead of him, or they can, you know, kind of survey the trade market and see what comes up. I think they're in a position of strength and they probably felt that the offers now between June and into free agency were going to be pretty similar to what they might get at February's trade deadline. And we saw the dividends that paid. They stayed competitive at the end of their season in that smaller market uh, with with Mike Conley on the team, and, and they can continue to do that in the next season if they want to, and we know there will be a market for that guy. We've already started to hear those rumors, and uh, they'll have the chance to do that as well. So I think landing it too was was ideal for them because they can get that replacement without uh, you know hand-wringing themselves about what they're going to do afterward. Two choices here, really. John Morant or R.J. Barrett. Everyone expects them to go point guard. Let's find out. Let's go to Mark King inside the draft room with Locked on Grizzlies. What's going on, NBA fans? Mark King with the Lockdown Grizzlies podcast. And the Grizzlies are on the clock with the number two selection. During the draft lottery, if the Grizzlies had been able to get the ninth pick, that pick would have been sent to the Boston Celtics in a trade package uh, from a few years ago during the Jeff Green trade. But that's not the case. The case is the Grizzlies happened to be able to jump up to the number two slot in the NBA draft. And that really changes everything for the Grizzlies. In the number two slot, you can get a franchise-changing player. And the Grizzlies already have Jaron Jackson Jr. And it's time to pair somebody with Jaron for the long term of this franchise. With Zion Williamson off the board, there's really only two choices left for the Grizzlies. R.J. Barrett or Ja Moran. R.J. Barrett is an absolute star and shooter from Duke. Even though R.J. Barrett shared the court with Zion Williamson at Duke, he still held his own. He still was able to shine, scoring 22 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists per game. R.J. Barrett has the ability to absolutely score the basketball, setting the freshman scoring record at Duke, and it's something the Grizzlies have needed for such a long time. They really haven't ever had a scoring wing that can just go get them buckets, besides maybe like someone like Rudy Gay, but it's been a long time since they've had that player on the wing. However, the Grizzlies are also going to need a point guard. With the idea the Grizzlies might trade Mike Conley in the near future for assets and to absolutely rebuild this franchise, the Grizzlies are going to need a point guard for the long term. John Morant's passing ability is absolutely unreal. His court vision is something you can you just can't teach at this level. It's something that will absolutely translate easily at the NBA level. The idea of putting Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant in pick and rolls for 10 years is absolutely exciting. John Morant has some deficiencies, but those can absolutely be corrected and developed at the NBA level. Once you develop those, he could be light years better 
than R.J. Barrett. With that in mind, the Memphis Grizzlies select point guard John Morant from Murray State. That puts the New York Knicks on the clock, and we have our first chance of whether or not we might have an Anthony Davis deal. Lakers are sitting nervously behind that. Cleveland coming in uh, with a pick number five, and then Phoenix will close out our day. With Jay Morant going uh, with the number two pick, let's get Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated's breakdown on the Murray State point guard. John Morant, far and away the best playmaker in the draft. Uh in the minds of most teams, I think he's the number two prospect. Uh, you know, I, I understand the argument for, for RJ Barrett, but, uh, you know, having spent some time around him, uh, having seen him play, uh, you know, I think he's one of the best point guard prospects to come around in a long time. Morant, um, just, just so dynamic and he passes with both hands. Uh, you know, he can, he's fast with the ball, his handles tight. You know, he sees these little angles, angles that other people don't see. And, uh, you know, I think a lot was made of the turnover issues with him, but bottom line is they're, uh, they're aggressive turnovers. And so, uh, you know, I just think that he checks so many boxes for what you want out of a point guard. You know, I think his jump shot will continue to get better as he gets stronger. Uh, I think he'll be able to get stronger. Uh, you know, he's never going to be a physical, you know, bowling ball guy, but I, I just think that there are so many things working in his favor. Um, and I think if he's, you know, something like what Ray John Rondo was in his prime, I think that's possible. I think he could be a little bit better than that offensively in terms of, you know, being more athletic and a little bit more, uh, scoring oriented. Right. So, uh, definitely huge upside there. And for Memphis, I think it's a great fit. Just knowing that one way or another, Mike Conley will move on in the next uh, season or two. That puts the New York Knicks on the board in our zip recruiter locked on NBA mock draft. Remember, if you're looking for a better place to hire or looking to get yourself out on the job force, ZipRecruiter is the spot to do it. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on to find out what they can do for you. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. Their powerful matching technology scans the resumes and finds you the right people. So effective that 80% of all employers get a candidate within the first day. It is the Locked On NBA mock draft brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. Back with the Knicks and the Lakers on the board. Now the New York Knicks are on the clock, and obviously the Knicks world, if they really thought they had Kevin Durant, is very different today than it was when we, before Game 5 of the NBA Finals, out with an Achilles injury. That Durant free agency now puts all sorts of question marks of what the Knicks are going to do. It's, it's massive. I think it has to be considered uh, in, in the context of a lot of these teams, as you mentioned. I mean, the Clippers, even the Nets later on, are already having made their own deal to clear the decks for a move like that. I don't think you're going to be dissuaded from the talent of a player like Durant, but as you said, your, your, your immediate plans for what next season looks like is, is drastically different. So I don't know if it'll impact draft night because I, I think the, the draft is probably unrelated to what Durant does. You're probably going to build a team around him full of veterans, but maybe teams are a little less likely to pull the trigger on something bigger, knowing that their super team might not be coming in 2019-20. The Knicks with the third pick, really the feeling of this draft, Brandon, is very much of a three-person draft. R.J. Barrett being the third one to come up. Is R.J. Barrett enough, if you're the New Orleans Pelicans, to trade Anthony Davis to the Knicks for this third pick? 
I'm personally higher on RJ Barrett than most people, I feel, just kind of judging what what other folks seem to think. But even then, it doesn't feel like quite enough when you stack him up to players like, you know, Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, uh, even Shea Gilgis Alexander over in Los Angeles. It feels like he's probably fourth on that list to me. So I think I would be excited to get RJ Barrett in the building if I'm any team in the league. But when you're talking about a player of, of Davis's caliber, I think Barrett's just a cut below the centerpiece that we usually see go the other direction in a big trade like that. All right, the Knicks are on the clock. Let's go to New York. Let's check in with Gavin Shaw and Alex Wolf of Locked on Knicks and find out what they're going to do. What's up, guys? I'm Gavin Shaw. And I'm Alex Wolf, and we are here representing Locked on Knicks with the third pick in the Locked on NBA mock draft. So, Gavin, uh, our biggest concern here first was what our biggest need is for the team. And, you know, you and I were talking about it, and I think it's pretty safe to say that more or less everything but center is a need for this team. And, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. No, and especially when you put into context, and we're going to get into it, um, what the Knicks are looking to do with this pick, whether they'd potentially trade it for a star or keep it for themselves, it, it really just essentially means that they can take the best player available because anything sort of fits the need of trading for an Anthony Davis or a Bradley Beal. Yes, certainly. And, you know, I, th- I think our our dream scenario ultimately would just be to ultimately trade whoever you take here, like because you would want to have, you know, Kevin Durant signed with the team and maybe another guy, you know, uh, Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, something like that. And, you know, have a have like this star foundation in place and then be like, OK, well, you know, it's going to fit our ours and their timeline better now to you know, trade whoever we take at number three and, you know, go forward that way and, and, you know, get an established player in here rather than someone even like, you know, RJ Barrett or Jarrett Culver, which by the way, those are the two guys that were most, you know, deciding between, uh, you know, those guys could probably contribute in the NBA right away. Uh, but there's definitely still going to be somewhat of a learning curve for them. They're still going to be rookies. And you want to get someone in here, you know, if you if you manage to get one or, or hopefully two stars via free agency, you're looking to have someone that can, you know, really step in right away and contribute. And, and I mean, you, you just kind of hinted at it. That's sort of our biggest decision deciding between those two players, but also doing so in the context of not knowing who's coming this summer. If the Knicks feel like they're going to get Kevin Durant, if they feel like they're going to get multiple stars then at least in our minds, Jared Culver should probably be the pick. He's kind of the cleanest fit on a team that immediately wants to contend for a title, doesn't necessarily need the ball, even though he was the fulcrum of Texas Tech's um, near national championship winning offense last year. But a guy who presents with a lot of varied skill set and can kind of fit a lot of different roles. And if you just sort of need him to be a defense first off ball shooter, secondary creator slash attacker, we're a lot more confident he can do that pretty seamlessly than R.J. Barrett, who has the talent to pull that off, but has never really played that role throughout his career and showed last season on Duke when he was very clearly the second most talented player on the team that he thinks of himself as an alpha dog, which I guess depending on the context, like if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers or if you're the Knicks and you're bereft of stars and they don't sign anyone this summer, that's not the worst thing in the world. You want a guy who thinks he could be the best player in the NBA, but on a team with Kevin Durant, you don't necessarily need that. Yeah, and and there's a very real possibility that, you know, Barrett, who's been this alpha dog all the way from, you know, probably like grade school all the way through college, you know, even on a team with Zion Williamson was, but it seemed like told by his coach and by his teammates that he was the guy. 
on a team, even with the presumed number one pick in this draft, uh, it could be kind of hard to shake that mindset and, you know, have him play a more complimentary role alongside someone who's one of the best players in the NBA, you know, especially after he was just on a team with the best player in college basketball and played in that, in that fashion. But, um, you know, it, we did explore some trades also. Um, I don't know if it's been revealed at this point yet, so I won't spoil it if it hasn't been revealed. But uh, Anthony Davis is not a Nick uh, after the locked on NBA mock draft, which is unfortunate. But uh, it, and neither is Bradley Beal, as it turns out. I made an offer for Bradley Beal, um, but the GM over at Locked On Wizards was looking for uh, Mitchell Robinson and RJ Barrett both in the deal, and I didn't feel comfortable doing that. I, I barely feel comfortable doing that for Anthony Davis. And I, I definitely wouldn't feel comfortable doing that for uh, Bradley Beal. So no deals were made. That said, we're still keeping ourselves open to potential deals. So we made our pick and we decided to go with R.J. Barrett. And, I, you know, I, despite everything that we just said, it, there's always stars becoming available. And I just feel like R.J. would be the best opportunity to go after a star that becomes available from a team that's looking to rebuild because he's definitely a player that you can take a shot on as potentially your lead guy during a rebuild, I think. And, and that would be appealing more so than if the Knicks had Culver and were then trying to deal him to a team that was, you know, trying to rebuild and, and build around him as a future star. Yeah. And I think Barrett's clearly the guy that teams are highest on. And it seems like there, there are teams in the league that are even higher than on him than John Morant, who's likely to go second to the Grizzlies. And we've talked to a, a number of guys that are a little bit more plugged in than even we are, um, specifically Mark Berman with the New York Post, who even suggested there are scouts who think that R.J. Barrett could be a better player than Zion Williamson. And while that's an opinion um, on a personal level, I think both of us would pretty vehemently disagree with just the fact that that perception is out there really suggests that he's the best asset the Knicks can get. And at this point, as we've reiterated time and time again throughout this segment, that, that should be the primary goal for the Knicks, just to be as flexible as possible, to have the most options coming out of the draft, specifically with the report today that the Pelicans would like to get something done in terms of a trade pre-draft. Assuming that doesn't end up happening, the Knicks have to pick with the idea in mind that there's a very good chance they put that pick as part of an Anthony Davis trade. Right now, Barrett's the guy that would be most appealing in that scenario, and that's why he was our pick. So the top three in the NBA draft mock locked on NBA mock draft go exactly as we anticipated and as everyone's anticipated. Let's get the breakdown from Jeremy Wu about the Duke star, R.J. Barrett. So I know Knicks fans are probably disappointed to not win the lottery. They're probably still uh, <laughs> frustrated about that. But, you know, Barrett, I think, is a fine uh, consolation prize here at three. Uh, you know, he they need scoring. I think he is a definitely better prospect than Kevin Knox was uh, a year ago. He's more more polished. I think uh, you know, he's going to be able to score. He's going to be able to play make a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I would guess they will put the ball in his hands. Um, you know, for for me, the concern with, with RJ is just uh, the shot selection factor. Uh, you know, I think it's good that he's aggressive and he wants the ball late in the game. Uh, but at some point, he's going to have to you know learn. Uh, you know, when to make the right play and not just to make his own play. And I think that's something that teams are cognizant of as well. Uh, but again, he's so young. And the hope is that he can sort of, you know, grow into, you know, remain aggressive while growing into a more mature player, right? Uh, I think that's possible. So, uh, you know, I understand why they would do it here. What will be interesting to see is if the next do sign, uh, you know, a star free agent, uh, you know, how, how that coexistence takes place uh, or, and what they do with him. So, 
Uh, I don't think there's anything to be worried about uh, in terms of, you know, is it the right pick? I think it's a good pick at three for the Knicks in that situation, and I think he'll be good in that environment in New York in the high pressure. With the big three off the board now in Jaw, Zion, and RJ not in that order, what is next on this board for the next three picks today, Brandon? It's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, you go into guys like Jarrett Culver, Kobe White, DeAndre Hunter, um, players that had successful college seasons for the most part, but were not necessarily, you know, in other drafts, probably not players we're talking about as top four guys. I think the reality of the week part of this draft starts to set in here at number four. Well, the Lakers are on the board. Do they put this pick in some sort of package for Anthony Davis? They've had major offseason turmoil. Rob Palinka trying to prove himself after tremendous bad moves, Magic's resignation, all sorts of mess. Let's see what they do as they had bad luck in the lottery falling to four. Let's go to Anthony Irwin inside the draft room in L.A. As the Lakers representative in this mock draft, as the the shadow shadow GM, I'm going to be taking Darius Garland. I tried to I tried to entice uh, the Pelicans uh, to to make some kind of a deal here. Uh, turns out they're just as stubborn out of the organization as they are uh, in it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, I think this this pick winds up going to. Uh, New Orleans, along with you know probably one of Lonzo Ball, and probably both of Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart. Um, I know Jeannie Buss would really really like to hold on to Kyle Kuzma. Uh, she uh, it, it seems to really be a, a big fan of his, but we'll see how much power she relinquishes um, in in allowing Rob Palinka to make a deal here. Uh, but I, I do think though that that you know that's trade package probably another first rounder that that would convey after LeBron James either retires or leaves the Lakers in, in a couple of years from now. That probably ends up in in New Orleans as well, and Anthony Davis will will come to the Lakers. Um, it, we'll see how willing David Griffin is to make a deal there. Uh, how willing Gail Benson will be to to allow him to do so. I do believe that he wouldn't have taken the job if he wasn't given full autonomy to to make some kind of a trade, uh, no matter who it might be. If if he thought that. Uh, it would better situate them moving forward that that deal would come from the Lakers, then, you know, he should be allowed to do that. Uh, It's just going to be interesting to see how that actually goes down. But for the actual pick that the Lakers are making, I'm taking uh, Darius Garland, point guard from Vanderbilt. He it's, pretty crazy really that he's going as high as he is despite playing so few games last year uh but his talent is just that prodigious it's he's really fascinating to to watch and and i think alongside lonzo ball he could help space the floor lonzo is a bigger player anyway so he could just kind of he can he could take the best uh offensive threat and let garland kind of uh take you know take that side of the court off, not off completely, but, but he can play a little bit lighter there, and uh, and he offers the Lakers their first pick and roll threat that they've had in in way too long, frankly. So it'll be I I I don't think they keep this pick. I I don't think they even get to make this pick. I think it winds up in in New Orleans before the draft, um, and and we'll see who they take. I actually, if the Lakers make this pick. 
and then send it over to uh, New Orleans so as to avoid any kind of Stepien type of rule breaking if they want, you know, back-to-back first-rounders or something like that. Uh, it would be it would be interesting to see who New Orleans would prefer. I, I think Garland and Drew Holiday can play in the same backcourt. If it is Lonzo Ball going out there, then I don't think they would take Darius Garland uh, because they would already have two point guards, essentially. So I think in that case, you would probably see the Lakers take like Jarrett Culver or... Uh, I'm I'm blanking on the on on the other guy here, uh, DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, and 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 uh, one of those guys who are a little bit more ready made. Uh, their wings that you know they New Orleans was really uh, thin at the wing spot last year, and 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 they have been for a little while. So it'll be I, I think it would make a lot of sense for them to take either Culver or. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, or if if New Orleans really wants you know to to get wild here, they could offer up Davis to the Knicks and get that number three pick. Um, though I believe we've already heard it reported that the Knicks have promised R.J. Barrett that would be they they would be tra- taking him, uh, which would probably take them out of the running for for the Hornet or for the Pelicans as well. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to it, this this whole dynamic is going to define a lot of how the offseason is going to play out. And I think it's going to, to to take place. I think some kind of a trade is going to take place before the draft, which would mean that the Lakers are, are, are not going to keep uh, Garland or whoever they would be drafting in the spot. But uh, for now. In this mock draft, I will take Darius Garland, pair him up with Lonzo Ball, see if he can open the floor up a little bit with his shooting ability for for LeBron in ways that the Lakers didn't have at the point guard position last year, and uh, and go from there. Thank you very much for listening to this one. If you guys want Laker updates and Laker analysis every single day, uh, I provide that. We have some exciting things coming for the Locked on Lakers podcast as soon as this offseason gets underway. So, uh, so make sure to check it out. You can find it on iTunes, Himalaya, Spotify, all of it. Uh, any, anywhere you find podcasts, you can find Locked on Lakers. You can follow it on Twitter at Locked on Lakers. Have a great day and, and good luck to whoever's picking next. Garland. Six foot two with a six foot five wingspan, 175 pounds out of Vanderbilt, played limited due to injuries. Let's get the breakdown on him from Jeremy Wu. Garland's a tricky one just because, you know, we didn't see as much of him during the season, only played four games, then he got hurt. You know, it's a story we've heard before. Certainly guys come back from injuries and are fine. Uh, I think most teams would say he's probably the second best point guard in the draft uh, ahead of Kobe White. I think for the Lakers, uh, it's a solid fit with uh, with Lonzo Ball, you know, assuming that all his players are going to be on the roster next year. We don't know if they will, but, uh, you know, Garland is a very dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands. Uh, you know, he, he's good at getting into little spots. He's probably more of a scorer than a guy who makes his teammates better consistently right now. Uh, but I think the hope is that he will get there. Um, you know, he had some turnover issues, decision-making, little read type things that he's going to have to work on. Uh, but, you know, certainly, you know, like the jumper looks good. Um you know, he's he's quick and shifty in a way that is sort of hard to teach. He's just he's very fluid with the ball. Uh and I think, you know, the hope is that he'll become a good starting point guard. I mean I could see I could see him being like a Jeff Teague type guy, maybe a little bit better than that. Uh again in this draft, I think at four, if that's what you need, that's what you need. So uh I'm a little bit worried about the the size of Garland, sure. Uh you know, he's not very big and strong. Uh, you know, he already has this injury. Uh but 
you know, for at number four, if we're, if we're talking about upside, I think you can totally make the argument. Sports Illustrated's Jeremy Wu with each of the breakdowns after each one of these picks for us. You can get all his coverage at SI.com. Why did the Lakers take Garland, and was it a mistake with Culver and Hunter and others on the board? We'll touch on that next when we continue. It's ZipRecruiter, locked on NBA mock draft, brought to you by ZipRecruiter. If you're hiring new talent like all the NBA teams are, you can go to ZipRecruiter and get the best talent around with their modern technology. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. Try it for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. More locked on NBA mock draft coming up. Remember, Every single NBA team has a locked-on podcast for you, the daily podcast on your favorite team. Just go to your smart device and tell it to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team, and then follow on your podcast provider. Jarrett Culver's on the board. I like DeAndre Hunter's on the board. I like what is it in the limited time that makes everyone think the Lakers going with Garland there is not a surprise, Brandon? I think... First of all, I mean, the the looming presence of, of clutch sports in Los Angeles with LeBron James. Uh, Darius Garland signed right away after his torn meniscus injury with clutch. I think the rumors kind of started then, knowing the Lakers would have this lottery pick. And I think his game fits well. I mean, he's a guy who's already garnered comparisons to Kyrie Irving with his shooting ability, his uh, really dazzling handle. So we've seen Kyrie himself succeed, obviously, next to LeBron. I think people see Garland's game and kind of see that similarity and think maybe he's the scorer to take that load off of LeBron as he uh, enters the, la- the last part of his career. What do the Lakers do with Lonzo Ball and Darius Garland at the same time? I think they can play together. I mean, I think it'll be a little bit of a tough fit with anyone in Lonzo until he gets that jumper figured out and stays healthy. But I think Garland's shooting ability, Garland's floor spacing ability makes that a little bit of an okay pairing. We know Lonzo's big and can defend multiple spots on the floor. So I don't think it would scare you away, but I do think we've already heard those Lonzo rumors with a ton of different teams at this point. It wouldn't surprise me if they look to move him as a result of the pick. So Lakers and Knicks both strike out as of this point on a Anthony Davis deal. Are you surprised by that? I mean, we talked about it with RJ Barrett. I just think he, the reality for the Knicks after falling to three is that they might not have that competitive of a package. Kevin Knox wasn't incredible as a rookie compared to the other guys on the table for new Orleans and uh, the Lakers, That would surprise me more. I mean, I don't know about you, but that seems to me like one of the more competitive packages after L.A. was able to jump to four. Well, now Cleveland's on the board. Chris Manning is in the draft room with the as the host of Locked on Cavaliers. Let's head over to Cleveland and find out what they're going to do with the fifth pick of this draft. Hey, this is Chris Manning from Locked on Cavs. So, Looking at this mock draft, the Cavs have basically every need possible. I would say their biggest three needs in no particular order would be defense, secondary playmaking, and three-point shooting. I would say the the best c- case you would have for a biggest need would be defense, considering they had quite literally the worst defense in the, in the league last year, maybe one of the worst of all time. If we're looking at a dream scenario for the Cavs, I think you're hoping that, assuming they don't make any moves, you're hoping that they are going to stay at five and I think have a situation where a guy they really like falls to them at five. We're, I think we're all operating under the assumption that the top three, depending on who ends up picking in these spots, is going to go Zion, John Morant, and then RJ Barrett. So for the Cavs, you're hoping that, I think, 
one of it, one of Jared Culver and DeAndre Hunter are there. Perhaps you could trade back, and that's something they would really uh, maybe consider doing. But if I'm the Cavs, I'm really hoping one of those guys falls to me, and then you can pick the guy you want there. Um, you know, those are the type of guys that I think make the most sense for them, would fill the biggest needs. And five at least is a good spot where you know at least one of them, and perhaps both of them, depending on what happens with that fourth pick, um, should be available. I would say for if you're assuming who is going to be available and you're the Cavs, I would say the, the big decision you're making is what wing do you prefer? Now, Kobe White could be an option, the point guard for North Carolina, but if I'm the Cavs, I would say here are the three guys I would say are the biggest in-play pieces. So you have Jared Culver from Texas Tech, DeAndre Hunter from Virginia, and then the wild card would be Cam Reddish at from Duke. Um you know, all guys have, I think, their own benefits. You know, I think, you know, maybe Reddish has the high, came in with the highest pedigree, but really disappointed the Duke. Culver has the biggest potential in terms of as a playmaker and as someone who could maybe develop into a, a really interesting playmaking one or two option piece. And then you have Hunter, who seems like he's just going to be a solid 3 and D guy who maybe doesn't have the most upside, but would provide defense at the 2, 3, and 4 spot in shooting, which are things the Cavs desperately need. My personal rankings for these guys would be Culver, then Hunter, and then Reddish. If the Cavs were to trade back with a team like, let's say, Atlanta, uh, who's picking 8, 10th, and 17th in the first round, Reddish becomes a more understandable pick, but I think at five, Culver, then Hunter, and then Reddish would be my um, would would be one of my options there. And I would say Kobe White would probably be ahead of Reddish as well. I did not have any distinct trade possibilities in this mock, but I would say I think the Cavs and Hawks would make a lot of sense as far as teams that could deal with each other. Again, the Hawks have eight, ten, and seventeen. You know, if Atlanta wants to, or, and they also have the 35th pick in the second round and the 41st and 44th picks in the second round. So they have a lot of picks. I can't imagine they're going to be making all of those picks. So if Atlanta comes and they, let's say they really want Jared Culver, and let's say the Cavs don't love Culver, um, he just worked out for them, so we don't, and there's not a lot of info out there about who they really like at this point, even though we're about two ish weeks away, but, or a week and a half away. But I think when we're looking at, a trade, I think something like eight and 17 and then a second round pick. If I'm the Cavs, I would do that. This is a team that needs a lot of talent. They needs a lot of talent to develop and let John Beeline um, really go get guys that fit his system. So if you could go back to eight and let's say you take Reddish and then you could get Matthias Thibel at, at 17 and then, you know, you still have 26. You could get someone um, there as well. And then you get that second round pick, take a draft and stash guy, take, you know, maybe someone like, Iggy Brzezikis from who played for John Beeline at Michigan. You could come away with two to three to four good young pieces from this draft. It's something the Cavs desperately, desperately need. So I think a trade with Atlanta would make a lot of sense. Ultimately, in this mock, I took Jared Culver. I think if the Cavs are not trading back and he's on the board, he fits what Beeline is going to do in terms of a motion offense the best. He's a guy that, um, you know, there's some concerns about his shooting. There can, you know, I wonder um, what he sort of will look like in terms of how he's going to get bigger and, and some of his feel for the game and what he sort of ends up being. But I think the potential for him to be a shooter, a playmaker, and a defender are all there. I think he fits really well with Colin Sexton. Fits really well. J.D. Osmond should really benefit from playing with Kevin Love next season. So Jared Culver from Texas Tech is my pick for the Cavs at five. Culver, we got to know a little bit during the NBA NCAA tournament. 
uh, this last year, what he did with Texas Tech, the sophomore, 6'6", maybe 6'7", really, 194 pounds. He's just 20 years of age, average 18 points, six rebounds, and four assists a game. Nice versatility. Let's hear what Jeremy Wu says about his game. I like this pick a lot for Cleveland. Uh, I like Culver a lot. I think, you know, for me, he is a hair ahead of RJ, just in the back of my mind. It's not the main consensus opinion, but uh, I think, you know, Culver is really showing a lot of improvement over the last couple of seasons. Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of a thing. Sometimes it's hard to put your, your finger on with him, but his, his feel is so good. Uh, and he has just taken such a leap uh, just to be able to go from where he was as a freshman to, you know, carrying Texas Tech to the final as a sophomore, I think is a, a big deal. And, uh, you know, he's a good passer. You know, he knows how to pick his spot scoring. I think his jump shot will improve. I think you could be looking at a really, really good second or third best player. I don't know if, you know, if, he was, if he's the best player on your team, it's not ideal. But uh, again, I think. I think a lot of the argument with Culver has to do with, you know, the floor is high, but at the same time, I think we're underselling his upside a little bit too. So uh, I think you could be looking at a guy who can end up being like a Karis Levert type player, uh, you know, maybe the best case like Chris Middleton in, in terms of value, not, not the same game, but you know, in terms of a wing who sort of blends in really well and makes other guys better and fits in with a lot of different types of, of players, I think that's what you're hoping for. Uh, and so for Cleveland, uh, you know, looking at what they have on the roster, I think he's a good addition. Of this next group of players, Brandon, do you have anybody you really like in the Culver, the Hunter, the Reddish, the Littles, the Porter Juniors of this? Uh, as we moved, uh, maybe Darius Garland, as we moved out of that top three, there seems to be a cluster of players. Do you have a – how far do you think that next tier goes? I mean, obviously there's tier one, which is Zion. It feels like there was tier two, which is Morant and Barrett. How, tier three to you, how deep does tier three go? I think – I'm actually in the camp of thinking the Cavs really hit it out of the park with that pick. To me, uh, Jarrett Culver, the best perimeter defender in this class, and we saw the the improvements he made in that just over the course of the season, and we really it manifested in that tournament run. All the all the different types of things he can do on the court with that you know size and and wingspan and uh, ball handling ability on the perimeter. That's just the type of player who's so valuable right now. He would actually be in that second tier. Um, after that, uh, you are starting to get into already the, the the slim pickings, to be completely honest. DeAndre Hunter is probably somebody who would stand out to me. Another guy we saw uh, you know, come away with the championship over at Virginia. Another wing who you feel really good will probably be able to succeed with the way that the league plays these days. But it's not a superstar-studded uh 5 through 10 group by any means. I love Culver. If you look at some of the his collegiate numbers, he had 101 isolation attempts. Only Morant had more of the top about 30 picks of the draft. He was in the 77th percentile of that. He ran 201 pick and rolls as the ball handler. Again, only Morant ran more of anyone. So you've got a six foot seven guy who can play one-on-one, who can play with the ball in his hands as a dribbler. I, I'm with you. I think in particular where Cleveland is, this, you know, obviously Zion's most likely to win rookie of the year and Morant's going to get a huge opportunity in Memphis but I think you're going to see a really big role for Culver in Cleveland and he's going to be maybe the one they're talking about will be interesting to see but he's got all the pieces and then you add in the fact that he was an above not a great shooter but he was an above average shooter uh in a 
about 58 percentile in his spot-up shooting, and that probably only gets better. All right, our last and final pick is on the board. Brandon has left me to fly to Phoenix. He's on a Learjet. It's incredible. He just got right over there. And he and Evan are hanging out inside the draft room of the Phoenix Suns to find out what happens with the sixth pick of this NBA draft. Hello, everyone. My name is Evan Sider, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brandon Klemer, the host of Locked on Suns. And today we are on the clock here at the sixth overall pick in the NBA draft. Brandon, our options are we're kind of rooting on the board here for Darius Garland and Jared Culver, but now what should we do? Yeah, exactly. I think the point guard position is the obvious need for this team, and listeners won't even need us to tell them that, right? That's one of the uh, biggest holes in any rotation in the entire league. And Culver was was a guy that we wanted to fall because um, he would have allowed Devin Booker to kind of slide into that point guard role, whereas someone like Darius Garland might have been able to, to fill that hole himself. Um, obviously, neither guy fell. And we weren't in love with Kobe White for that spot either. So uh, it kind of fell down to, you know, do we love white enough do we think he's worth it just because he plays a position of need or was there someone else available that was just uh, kind of too good to pass up yeah it really was an interesting debate between us here because we were talking about whether we should actually go for the guy we're talking about six overall if it's too early or not but he's a really interesting prospect and I think there's we were really debating between him we also brought DeAndre Hunter a little bit Cam Reddish but the guy who stands out here and he feels one of the biggest needs on the team is Brandon Clark out of Gonzaga. Brandon, I think we were both pretty much in agreement that if this is how the board fall, we were going to go with Brandon Clark. And it might be a surprise to out there, but we really love him as a prospect. What's your thoughts on him and his fit with DeAndre Aiden? Yeah, we've had a lot of guests on our show say that it feels too early, and it does. I mean, based on where he's been throughout the season on draft boards and where he's um, even now. But I think the skill set, as you said, and the fit with DeAndre Aiden – um, and it, we should mention, too, point guard was the obvious need. This team really does need a four, uh, a more, you know, versatile, defense-oriented, um, power forward guy who can start next to DeAndre Ayton. They were doing TJ Warren in that spot last season, and it didn't really work at all. Um, they need a guy who's going to be more consistent on the glass, somebody who can fix, kind of clean up Ayton's mistakes a little bit better around the rim you know, maybe allow them to switch a little bit more and hopefully a guy who can kind of bring some versatility on offense as well. That's maybe in, in Clark's future. It's, it's not really what he does now. It's more, he's more of a defensive guy at this point, but the fit there, you're talking about a guy who improved as a shot blocker every single season, tested off the charts at the NBA draft combine as an athlete, despite only being six, eight, um, but 11.3 block percentage this season at Gonzaga played the five for them. Uh, So I think that transition is going to be easier than some people do from college to the pros for him. Just looking at how well he, how much he improved and how well he kind of checks off a lot of the boxes of what you want from a guy at that spot in the NBA right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's a guy along sort of the lines of like a Paul Millsap type or a Thaddeus Young. I think there's a, there's a possibility that we could still sign a bridge player like a Thaddeus Young or an Alfred Camino for a year or two. And I think we're both pretty confident, though, if he does develop at the rate we do and with the work that the Brian Clark possesses, do you think he has all the makes of being a long-term star for the Phoenix Suns? I do, and I think uh, to touch on the shooting again, you know, he and DeAndre Ayton both project to improve as shooters, so that'll make the offensive fit a little bit better. He's a guy who could also play the five 
if, if, you know, the rotation kind of cracks out that way, where maybe he's getting minutes there sometimes, you know, maybe if they get a lot of shooting, they can put him at the three in certain lineups. And that versatility is what's really exciting about Clark. The fact that he might even be able to be more impactful in the NBA because of the skills he brings and, and uh, athleticism that he has. So I think he exactly like we, we went through it and it just felt like the fit there, the ability that despite being one of the older prospects in the draft, he would have to get better. Um, it just felt like, yeah, it isn't necessarily what you would see on draft boards around the internet right now, but it certainly does just feel like the best move. Absolutely. He's kind of the air safety, so to say, next to DeAndre Ayton as a guy who you definitely need as a secondary rip protector alongside a, a, pro, a prospect like DeAndre Ayton who still has some work to do on defense. But before we let you guys go, we did explore the possibility of trading back in this draft or overall trading out. We did speak with Detroit about Blake Griffin. We spoke with Orlando about Aaron Gordon, but our assets just weren't enough to get that done. But overall, Brent and I are both ecstatic at Brandon Clark on this team. is going to be a great prospect i think with the phoenix suns and i think we're doing back those guys with the our, our boardroom Brennan, what do you think if it breaks this way it would be a surprise but i think a victory this is definitely not us just trying to to throw a take out there this is genuine uh a guy that we're really excited about and the suns have talked to him the suns have uh spoken with him and seem to have some interest he's a local kid so it's not as out of the uh, realm of possibility as it might seem and i think we could see some more Clark buzz as June 20th comes closer and closer. All righty. We're going to lock in our pick. Brandon Clark, big man out of Gonzaga. Chicago Bulls are now on the clock. Well, there's our first surprise of the draft. A little bit of an early reach for Brandon Clark. Let's see what Jeremy Wu, Sports Illustrated, thinks of that six pick by the Phoenix Suns. For me, this is way too high for Clark. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. I think you know, just being an older prospect, he's going to be 23. Uh, I think there are enough concerns about him in terms of his his size and what's going to translate that I would not take him this high at six. Um, so I don't know if I fully understand this one, uh, but I, I know there are a lot of people who love him. I know analytics really like him. Uh, and, you know, you, again, he was not to undersell how productive he was at Gonzaga this year. Uh, you know, just the efficiency is crazy. You know, the, the blocks and the rebounds and, you know, he makes these highlight plays and it's, it's kind of an intriguing pick. Uh, I think the thing that mostly concerns me is just, you know, how well can he play in a crowd against your guys, uh, you know, Gonzaga, you know, playing in their conference, not the highest level of college competition. Uh, you know, he had good games against better teams, but it's just, you know, you wonder how inflated these numbers might be uh, based on that. And the fact that he's older, uh, I don't think I trust his jump shot uh, after watching him shoot. Um, so I think there's a lot of things that have to sort of break correctly for him to return value this high. Uh, could he do it? Sure. Uh, but I think it's optimistic. Uh, I think that has optimism built in this high. And, you know, for me, that's not really how I would approach it for, for Phoenix here. Woo, little surprised as well by that pick. Brandon has Learjetted back to our TV studio desk here for the Locked On NBA mock draft. And uh, Brandon, you're putting yourself out on the line there with that Phoenix Six pick. Well, as you as you heard in our breakdown, we just felt as I as I kind of said before, not excited, not overly excited about any of the options on the board. The Suns have a very specific set of needs point guard, most notably. We weren't in love with the options there. And so we went with somebody who we think can uh, lift the floor of the team's overall defense. And um, we saw that impact at Gonzaga with Brandon Clark. And 
it feels like a reach. I think we are acknowledging ourselves. It's unlikely to actually happen this way on draft night, but it felt within the realm of possibility and a guy that we just really fell in love with the more we took a look at him. All right, so six picks are in the book today. Zion Williamson, Morant goes second, Barrett goes third, Garland, Culver, and Clark. Uh, Not a lot of surprises other than the Clark pick. This is probably very much how the regular draft's going to go. Where does this leave the draft? As we head into tomorrow's show, the big first surprise, Anthony Davis doesn't get moved to the Knicks or the Lakers. Where does this leave the draft heading into tomorrow's action? Well, we obviously still have the Anthony Davis thing on on the table, as you said. I think the thing I'm most immediately looking for, because I don't think Chicago or Atlanta are quite going to be uh, making a, an offer for Davis, would just be what the Hawks do. They have 8-10. and 10. How do they approach that? Do they go for guys at different positions? Do they just take chances, kind of throw darts at the board and add as much talent upside as possible? I think they're going to be very fascinating Um with with their already you know making deals they've already acquired that 17th pick in real life and uh they could just be as flexible in our mock draft all right we'll find out what happens tomorrow but first the fantasy impact of these top six players here's josh lloyd of locked on fantasy basketball Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd from Locked On NBA and Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Just talking about some of the fantasy value of these uh, of these first six picks in our Locked On NBA mock draft. Of course, the first pick, Zion Williamson. No one's going to have any doubt that he's going at number one. He's also going to be most likely, almost without any doubt, the number one fantasy rookie for next season as well. Crazy steal and block numbers in college. Insane field goal percentage. He can rebound. He can score. He's going to have a pretty large role on this Pelicans team. And I think this is the one where we know where he's going. We sort of know what he's going to be able to produce in a top 50 season and multiple top 20 seasons will be uh, what we're looking at. Top 50 in his rookie season, top 20 seasons in his future is what we're going to be looking at. Probably some top 10 stuff, especially if those defensive numbers and efficiency we saw in college is able to translate to the pros. There's no worries about Zion being an absolutely fantastic fantasy producer for for this coming season and for many, many years to come. With the number two pick, the Memphis Grizzlies in this mock draft took Ja Morant. That was seemed to fade accompli in the real world uh, a few weeks ago. Apparently Memphis cooling on that pick. I still think that it's probably the way that they want to go, although I'm not as convinced on Jar as, as other people are. Was nowhere near this same player as a freshman as he was as a sophomore. He does have some pretty strong fantasy translations, though. The assist numbers, a decent steal rate. He's got to be better at shooting threes. We know that. But I think if he does move to this Memphis team, Mike Conley will be gone. He'll have the ball in his hands a lot. He'll have an opportunity to be a 15, 17-point scorer, 7, 8 assists, one of the best assist guys in all of college basketball. Very similar to Trey Young the year before, where he just had such a large load, huge usage, huge assist percentage. And that was similar to Morant for Murray State this season. And if he finds himself in Memphis with that role, then he'll be able to put up pretty strong numbers and he is he is a chance for a top 50 season as well next year probably more top 70 type of a player his overall ceiling not as high as Zion the shooting is a real concern for me now, as he moves forward, but the ability to get some assists, to rebound aggressively to get steals and to score all bodes very well for his overall fantasy production 
in this mock draft, pick number three to the New York Knicks, RJ Barrett. I really think that Barrett's got some value as a as a fantasy prospect. This coming season, it's all going to depend on what the Knicks do in free agency, but he can be a secondary ball handler, a secondary playmaker, and getting those four assists or so from the wing can be interesting, but really poor defensive stuff in college, poor steal, poor block numbers. The shooting was a real concern. The field goal percentage, the free throw percentage, three-point percentage, they're all worries with all of that stuff, and that makes me a little bit more cautious on his overall fantasy value. And if the the Knicks end up getting Durant or Irving or Butler, whichever way they want to go, it's really going to limit his overall usage. And the fact that he lacks in the efficiency, lacks in the defensive stats is something that will probably hold him back. And I, I can see him being an overdrafted prospect for fantasy basketball next season, depending on what happens with the Knicks in free agency. Because there is a that usage has to go through him. And if it doesn't, then it could be a really clunky fit over there with the New York Knicks. At pick number four, the Lakers chose Darius Garland in our mock. We didn't get to see a huge amount from Garland due to the injuries this season, but he does have some uh, intrigue fantasy-wise as a, as a scorer, a guy that can be efficient, that can hit some threes. The assist rate would need to improve, and that's going to be a struggle there in LA. Assuming Lonzo's still around and LeBron is there as well, and Brandon Ingram is a ball handler, Garland's fit, especially in that rookie season, if that's the direction they want to go. And I'm not sure that they will. I know the Locked On Lakers guys picked in there. I don't necessarily think they'll go in that direction personally. But translating the already sort of mediocre assist numbers across this Lakers team will be even harder for him to have an impact. And I think if this is the way it panned out, he'd have very, very limited in terms of he'd be very limited in terms of appeal for this coming season. But that would so much depend on what the future of Lonzo and Brandon Ingram are. Because both those guys move in some sort of Anthony Davis trade, which is always a possibility in the real world, then maybe things open up for Garland. But I'm not as high on him as others are. I do like Cleveland's pick there at number five, locked on Cavs, making that selection. Jarrett Culver uh, goes to Cleveland at pick number five. He, um, he, he does work as a scorer, as a two-guard. They need that sort of position. Well, they need pretty much everything in Cleveland. He can be sort of a, uh, a secondary a secondary ball handler as well. He can be a solid enough defender. There are still some question marks with the efficiency. So many of these guys coming out of this draft as well have poor free throw percentage, which is a little bit of a concern there also. A decent enough steal rate, which is which is okay. Solid enough rebounder, good assist. There's a, a real foundation there with Culver, and I could see him being better, a better fantasy player than RJ Barrett, uh, even potentially than Darius Garland for this coming season, and even in seasons to come. I really do like Culver, and I think getting him at pick five for Cleveland there would be a fantastic outcome for the Cavs if that's the way it went. And then at pick number six, the Phoenix Suns going with Brandon Clark uh, at, at this spot. Uh, really like this selection for, for them. Uh, a 6'8 guy, you know, 22 years of age, so obviously on the older side, but he's got a, a really interesting statistical profile. One of the best translated guys coming out of college. He can get assists, he can rebound, he can score, he can shoot. You know, really high field goal percentage. His block shots are, are through the roof. The Suns need a guy uh, at that four position. He might be a bit undersized, but the defensive stuff he can do is really strong. I think that he would fit in well he has the, a real chance to be if this is the scenario that breaks to be the number two or number three ranked fantasy rookie for next season I think he's got pretty high upside long term the blocks is really what's going to determine it can he be a real sky high shot blocker or can he or will that really fall off in the pros but I think there's a lot there to like about Brandon Clark I really like the pick and the fantasy yeah, upside of him in, in that spot is really high and possibly higher than guys ahead of him like Garland uh, Barrett even Culver I, I think that Clark could uh, outplay those guys from an upside point of view 
Six picks in the draft on the board. Coming for you tomorrow on Locked on NBA 7 through 12. So make sure that you follow the program, subscribe on any of your podcast apps, and get days two and three and four and five of the NBA mock draft. This has all been part of Locked on NBA. Remember, your local favorite team, your favorite team has a local podcast every single day on the Locked on Podcast Network. Go find your favorite NBA team local podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network.